I'm going to start a new series, and it came as a thought during my, uh, just my devotional time and praying and thinking about what we should look at. Um, and there's a, there's, a, uh, there's a book out by Francis Chan called Crazy Love. How many have read that book? Yeah, a lot, a lot of people have. But that's not what we're doing. We're doing a series called Crazy Church. And the idea is God has asked us believers to do amazing things way beyond we should be doing, more influence than we really should ever have, praying for situations like this and others that you came in with, we're praying for your uh, physical healing, we're praying for relationships, we're just stepping out in crazy areas that God entrusted the church with. That's our job is to do amazing things. Not because we're amazing. Some of us, like me, I, I'm, I can't even believe I'm holding a microphone right now. If you knew what a cut up I was all through education and how little I applied myself, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you my story. <laughs> and God put me here. No, no reason other than God decided to. I've never really understood why God uses people to redeem people. Makes no sense to me. We have not a good track record. I always said he should have used puppies. Everyone loves puppies. Would have been way better. But who am I to tell God? Crazy church. People that weren't a people before. We didn't grow up together. We don't live in the same neighborhood, some of us. Some of us do. And God said, I'll use you. You're chosen by God. God tapped on your shoulder. He cares about you. He wants you to have a little impact. Make a difference in someone's life. Let's start Acts chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles. Look at that, whom he had chosen. He chose them. I got to tell you, if, if they went by resume and committee, none of those apostles would have made it. None of them, but God chose them. God said, I can use you. And he's, in this book, the author is referring to a previous book. And I thought we should look at that just for a moment. The close of book uh, Luke, chapter 24. They arose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. These are the two on the road to Emmaus. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he appeared to Simon. Talk about the one guy not to choose. Everyone voted, please. Simon has not been good. He denied you three times, but the Lord chose him. Then they told what happened on the road and how he was known to them 
in the breaking of bread. And as they were talking, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. As they were talking, it's not just your story. You're communicating what happened in your life, but when they were talking, Jesus revealed himself to the others. As you share your story, Jesus will enter the scene and reveal himself to whoever you're talking to. Your story is not good enough. It's secondhand information. You need firsthand information, and I need firsthand information. And the good news, as we share the story, Jesus shows up. Aren't you glad about that? Lord, here we are, gathered around your name. We worshiped you. We honor you. We're hearing your word. And Lord, please show up. Luke 24, verse 44 and 45. And he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. Everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. God's word always accomplishes what it's set forth to do. Don't you worry. God never drops even a syllable. It all comes to pass. But look at this last verse. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Jesus opened their minds. It's terrible to have a closed mind. It's terrible to already know what you know. Too many of us are closed-minded. Oh, I've got my theology figured out. I don't need to hear anymore. Don't try to convince me. Even heaven can't open my mind because I know what I know. If you struggle with a closed mind, I want you to know there's good news. There's a prayer for that. God can open your mind. He can open your eyes and he can open your heart. He cares so much about you, he won't leave you the way you are. He'll open you up to new things. And Luke closes with what Acts opens with, the ascension of Christ. When Jesus leaves this earth, he leaves it in the hands of his apostles and followers. He said, now I have to leave. And it's good for you that I leave. Look at verse 50 of Luke 24. He led them out as far as Bethany, lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. While he had blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. He ascended and they worshiped. I want you to pause at that thought just for a moment. They had grown up in the Hebrew faith. They knew the Ten Commandments. They knew there was only one person to worship, God. And it says as he ascended into heaven, they worshiped him because Jesus is God. They were convinced of his deity and they worshiped him. Now go back to Acts chapter 1 and we'll look at verse 3. He presented himself. This is another retelling of what Luke said. 
alive to them after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. They were having a mountaintop experience with Jesus. Remember, their minds had been opened. They're ready to receive. They were open for anything. If you can, if we can see that you were arrested and brutalized and crucified and buried, and on the third day you rose again, our minds are open. <laughs> anything is possible. And Jesus began to pour into them for 40 days. Talk about a conference. Glenn, talk about a conference worth going to. The last 40 days of the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. It was a summit beyond all summits. You know, that's, that's the catchphrase now. If you want to go to a conference, it's no longer conference. It's a summit. Somehow it's more lofty if you give it a title like that. And we got all kinds of summits out there. We have leadership summits and worship summits. And we got every kind of church growth and small group and finances. We got summits for everything. And I got to tell you, I've been to a few and I didn't learn quite as much as I hoped. It was a fun experience. But there was one summit that was worth your price of admission. It was 40 days with Jesus talking about the kingdom of God, pouring into them, giving them all the tools they were going to need for this awesome job the crazy church is called to do, reach a lost world. Now look at Acts 1, verse 4. And we're going to go through the things on your piece of paper just for a moment. While staying with them, he ordered them, do not depart from Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the Father which he said, you heard from me. Do not depart, do not leave, but instead wait. And point number one in our Christian lives, it's the hardest thing in the world to do. There's value in waiting. Don't get ahead of God. You may have the truth, but it may not be the right time. Wait for the Lord. You may have the purpose, but it may not be the timing that God has for that moment. Wait for the Lord. Do not go ahead of God. Moses argued with God and, and God said, hey, I'll go with you. And he said, if, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. I'm waiting for your presence. Wait for the Lord. Pastor Ernie Francis in our church growing up, he was the father of Wayne Francis, who was our pastor, Ernie said this one day, when you do not know what to do, don't do. But I got to do something. My dad had a phrase, do something even if it's wrong. That's not good theology. He just wanted kids to work hard. Ernie had it better. When you don't know what to do, don't do. Don't get ahead of God. Don't create something and then hope God blesses it. Find what he's blessing and get involved in that. Wait upon the Lord. We all know the story in Luke 10, verse 40. It's poor Martha. Jesus was at the house and people were there. And Martha's so distracted. She's so upset. She went to the Lord and said, 
Don't you care my sister's left me to serve alone? Tell her to help. How many got a sister like that? I had two of them. Wait, no, I was the guy not working. Never mind. They were the workers. And the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. When, when you got to go the double name, that's not good. It's like, uh-oh, I thought I was going to be the hero in this story. I thought I, it was going to be a story about lazy people. Look at me. Sometimes you think you're the hero, and then a few seconds later, you realize I'm not really the hero in this story at all. Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about so many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, and it will not be taken from her. God, they're not doing their job. You just, they're just, they, fix it. And God said, no, they found the right thing to do. They wait upon the Lord. They're trusting God. Martha, you're too busy. Some things you have to wait for. You want to charge forward, but you're not prepared. The unprepared church gets into a lot of trouble. The ones that haven't done their time. I had a young person. Steve, you went to school with him. Good old David Sturtz, I love him. He was the smartest kid in the school, by far. And uh, he got several scholarship offers. But he was so zealous for the Lord, he decided, now this is 1987 or 6 or whatever, 8. The Lord's coming back. I don't have time to go to college. Well, it's 2019. I think he had a little time to go to college. Prepare yourselves. Trust the Lord. Wait upon him. If we go ahead of God, you'll only fail. You don't have enough to bring to the table. Trust the Lord. There's a promise in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. It says, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Good things happen when we wait. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and they will not faint. Trust God. Wait upon the Lord. Realize while we're waiting, he's building us up. But for lack of patience and too much personal desire, we lose when we do not wait. Wait upon the Lord. Genesis 25, verse 29. It's a pretty amazing Bible story. Esau had the birthright. Jacob was cooking stew. Esau came in from the field. He was tired. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew. I'm exhausted. So he's, he's not ready to wait. And Jacob said, go ahead. You can have some stew, but it's going to cost you. Sell me your birthright. And Esau said, I'm going to die anyway. What use is a birthright to me? Boy, take a look at that verse. I don't have time to wait. I don't have time to do it right. I don't have time for mom to make her dinner. 
I need it now. It smells so good and I'm so hungry. There's a lot of things the church is hungry for, but we're not willing to wait for it to come to pass. And we get ahead of God and we lose in the process. Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. Folks, I've had some good soup in my day. You had good soup last night. I took our guest to the uh, wildflower. And it looked pretty good. But it wasn't worth your inheritance from God. It wasn't worth it. There's a lot of options. And it's for us to know that God's way is the better way. Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew and he ate and drank and rose and went his way and Esau despised his birthright. And that's the end of the story. I want to go to another verse in Acts 1, verses 6, 7, and 8. When they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They were, they were hungry for God to take over the whole world. They were hungry for things to get better and Rome to be put aside. They were hungry for wrongs to be righted and jail cells to be emptied. They were hungry for good things. That bowl of soup was pretty good, but it wasn't right for the time. Jesus didn't come to be the next emperor of the world. He came to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He came to restore man's heart to Father God. He came for bigger things than a bowl of soup. And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed. And then look, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be my witness at Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. You will receive power. Point number two, there is power in receiving. We have to fix ourselves to receive from the Lord. I've got all this great stuff to tell you. I'm not ready to receive it. I want to bless you with a bag of cash. Oh, no. I'll get by on my own self. No one says that ever. But if you did, you wouldn't receive because a gift has to be received. My son, Matthew, I think he was probably three or four years old. And it was amazing uh, because he got to a place in his life where he knew absolutely everything. At four years old, that's a genius, right? He knew everything. I'd try to tell him stuff. He goes, Dad, I know that. God, apparently you don't know that because of your actions. Dad, I know that. Son, I want to just tell you, Dad, I know that. And one time, before I was even able to share what I was going to give him, the wisdom of all my years, to his four-year-old face, Matt, before I could say another word, he goes, Dad, I know that. And I said, I told you what you are. I, you, you're not just smart, you're clairvoyant now. Before I even say it, you know it. How many times do we tell God, no, I'm okay. 
I don't need any help. I don't need any friends. I don't need any instruction. I don't need your blessing. I know it. I already got it. And we're close to receiving from the Lord. God wants to help you along the way. God wants to give you what you need. But we come back with, I know that, or I have that, or I don't need it. And it breaks the heart of God because he really does want to help you out. He wants to help me out. He wants me to give, a chance, give me a chance to go places I could never go and do things I could never do. You'll receive power. You'll receive the power if you're open to it. The last point, there is a purpose in the gift. You don't just receive power so you can bully your neighborhood. You don't receive power so you can be more right than everyone else. There's a purpose to the power. And the purpose is you'll be my witnesses. God expects us to share what we receive. Freely we have received, freely we give. The purpose, I had a friend growing up, and uh, it was in the late 70s, and he discovered uh, weightlifting, bodybuilding, he, he just got into it, and man, he was ferocious at this. And he turned from a skinny little guitar player to this bulk of a young fella. And I was just amazed at what he had done in just a short time by exercising. I wasn't amazed enough to want to exercise, though. I tried lifting weights, and they were heavy, so I just said no. But the thing that confused me about his bodybuilding deal is he did no sports whatsoever. And I was into athletics. Now, the other confusion was I wasn't building my body. I went with what I had. Don't look at me like that. And I, I used to think about my friend, man, what a waste. All that effort, you're honing your body, you're, you're perfecting your strength. And you doubled and tripled your capability, and yet you do nothing with it. And then I thought about the church. We received the power. We sang about it in the 80s. I don't know if you ever sang this, Glenn. We've got the power. We got it. We're not sharing any of it. And we're not going to do anything with it. You've got the words of life that can change the world. Just with your words alone, it can change the climate of the room you're in. If you're willing to boldly proclaim what you know to be true, there's purpose in the gift. The crazy church has a purpose. Get out there and reach the world. How? We're just a little bunch of people. How's that even possible? Let God worry about results.
someone's sick, pray for them. But Lord, what good will that do? You leave God with the results. Don't you worry about the results. He'll take care of that. Crazy church does crazy things that the world can't figure out. We give money in the offering and we have more at home than we ever thought we had. How does that work? We talk to people that really probably don't want to talk to us, but the Lord uses it to move his kingdom forward. It's a crazy church that God called together. And man, is it working. You wonder sometimes living in our little culture, is the world listening? Go overseas. Take a look around. There's a whole world coming to know Jesus. And God's using His church and the prayers of His church. You can't be there, but your prayers can get there. And all of a sudden, a Muslim has a vision he never asked for. And literally is saved by the grace of God. What's the point? The point is we're a crazy church supposed to do, to do amazing things that we can't even imagine. 